friends. I've got one vision that friends will be friends. So now that we're friends, thank you for tuning in to Seaside Pod Review, a podcast about the music of Queen. I'm Randy, that guy's Kevin, and once a week we gather to discuss our silly opinions on random songs by people far more talented than we are from the catalog of one of the most diverse bands in rock and roll history. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. Seaside Pod Review. Give us a kiss, Kevin. Seaside Pod Review. I'm not giving you a kiss. So you've got some uh, sexy mood lighting in your little spot there tonight, Mr. Randy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can call it that, but I like to call it just turning a couple lights off, you know. Uh, you know, hurts my eyes, you know. So that's old age, eh? You're just getting old now. You can't handle the... Uh, you're blinded by the lights. But are you also revved up like a deuce? I've, I'm generally always revved up like a deuce, another <laughs> runner in the night. Always. You know me, though, Kev. That could be one of the most uh, misheard lyrics of all time, eh? No one really quite exactly knows what he's saying. And... I used to think it was wrapped up like a douche, and I didn't <laughs> make much sense. You, you throw those away, right? Why Why is it like another runner in the night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting this douche runner analogy. I don't understand. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Well, you know what, Randy? It, as we as we did last week, and as, as I kind of said, we should probably start doing more often, is you should probably tell people what the fuck this is all about. Why are we here? Why do you think we should get online and talk about Queen and then force that on to people who really have better things to do with their time? What, 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 what are we doing? Well, I'll tell you, Kevin, I'll tell you what we do. What we do is we uh, listen to Queen songs that are randomly generated. Uh, and then after we've got the song, we go ahead and we just listen to it. And as far as our qualifications, I would say we virtually have none. Uh, I would say that, you know, music is is very subjective. And, uh, you know, so so that really does not stop us from spouting off our completely uneducated and horribly biased in many ways opinions on on Queen songs. And, and you know, so far I've said I've noticed that we've really run Roger Taylor's lyric writing into the ground. And I think maybe he might deserve it. Uh, you know, he's he's sitting somewhere on a big stack of cash. I think he can he can take the criticism. I think so. And there are there are good ones coming. Well, you know, no, we even course, talked about no. this. Of course, we talked we talked last week actually. This day, you know, we and I was saying that I, I thought the a lot of the lyrics in the verse were quite strong, and I like those. And but they're punchy, and they're you know they got some grist to them. Um, the verse is a little bit less so, but it's one of those where when Roger's being earnest. I don't always love him, but this one, he, I thought he got the balance just about right. So, you know, we're not we're not just down on Roger in case there's any, well, there are fanboys out there. There are definitely Roger fanboys out there. <laughs> we're not down on Roger. We love Roger. Of course, of course. Okay, so Christmas is coming. When we release this, it will be a mere, well, what are we now? It'll be a mere three days until Christmas when we release this episode. Uh. That's right. And and Christmas is good. As a devout atheist, I still enjoy Christmas. I would also like to add to anybody who is not Canadian and that are listening to this hoser and that guy who moved here. Uh, <laughs> it is frosty as hell. Uh, I haven't actually really left my studio all day. I've been just working in the studio, but I have still put on my long johns and my sweater all day <laughs> inside my heated building. So that's that's how cold it is, ladies and gentlemen. Fucking cold. So, action this day, as we were just going to talk about that, um, I wanted you to listen to the live version um, from the 1982 Milton Keynes performance. What were your yeah. thoughts on it? Well, yeah, and so I did watch it, and you know what? It's great. I like it. I like it more than the studio version, and uh, I guess maybe I sort of thought I might. Um, it's really cool. They do a really great job of it live. And, uh, but I would say if there's one thing, one thing that I would, <laughs> and this is just that one video is I would like to shoot the cameraman, actually not the cameraman, <laughs> probably the switcher or the director, whenever Roger's singing his lyrics, they don't ever flip to him and he's like carrying half the song, but whatever, you know, that's neither here nor there, but it's great. And, and as you had said, Kev, before we, uh, hit record here was that, uh, you thought the the guitar solo was more interesting that than that sax solo, anyhow. Well, it was a synth solo, but the, the guitars generally or a synth solo. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, and it's got a, it. It sounds much more like a rock song. 
with the way yeah. Brian's playing it. And especially when you get into some of those little licks, Brian's putting in some of those like 60s licks. He's throwing some of those in there and then he really kind of fattens up the sound in the verses. Just, I don't know, it just it sounds sonically way more interesting to me. And it's so weird that, you know, when you could have done it that way, and I'm sure when they jammed that song out and sort of and demoed it and figured out the parts for it, they would have been playing their instruments live. I'm sure it would have sounded more like that than it sounded like what ended up on the record. So I always, I'm always interested in how that, how a song gets from that state to the final finished version. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, odds are uh, that that was, uh, that song was conceived in the studio and maybe not, wasn't played live first, you know what I mean? Which, in my experience, is always way better if you get a chance to play them live uh, and then go and record because, you know, they're defined. You've played them in front of an audience. But I'll also add further to that video, which I think is definitely a sign of the the era that they were playing in, <laughs> is they had that keyboard player playing that solo in, you know, just off to the side of the stage in complete darkness. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it did not used to be cool to play keyboard. I saw Aerosmith in 1980, I forget exactly, seven, something like that. And that was with the... Uh, uh, permanent Vacation? Permanent Vacation Tour. Yeah. And they had a keyboard player playing off stage too, which even at, you know, at, you know, my, my young age, I thought was stupid and ridiculous. Like, put the, he's like carrying, put him on stage, put lights on him. <laughs> he's part of the band. I never got that. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, those days are gone. We're not, oh my God, is this can only be guitars. You know, there, there are keys. I wonder if it is that though, whether it's just that it's, you know, especially with Queen, well, maybe Aerosmith too. It, Queen really is those four guys. So maybe it was just that they didn't want to sort of dilute that image. I don't know. It's, it's kind of, a, I, I agree. I think it's a bit silly, but. So yeah, okay. Those Queen is those four guys. You know, if you have a keyboard player up there and he's playing, I don't know, all of a sudden instantly think, oh my God, there's a fifth member of Queen. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all, yeah. you know, we're all smart enough to realize, oh, they got a hired guy to play the keyboard parts here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, fucking sounds great. And which they, I mean, they had, you know, hired gun for everything from this point forward. I think Spike Edney even played, I think Spike Edney was their keyboard player, or maybe Live Edney, but because they, they, they had that, that was that became a permanent fixture. But I'm pretty sure they were never really, you know, up front and on stage. So, yeah. Well, there's, uh, there are plenty of touring acts out there that put additional guitar players and keyboard players under the stage. Right. Even. So there's not even a possibility in the, of a of a spotlight casting <laughs> accidentally <laughs> seeing yeah them. accidentally oh my god <laughs> can't believe there's another player playing an instrument oh dear me okay so and the other thing the other, well, the other bit of um oh sure, I looked at it too sorry Morgan Fisher was the touring keyboard player on the Hot Space uh, tour in Europe they had a different player in uh in America but so yeah I mean overall I thought you know it's still the, the live version is still not a classic Queen song but it's definitely better live but I did ask you also because you know something we've talked about and something people commented on is that these songs where you're hearing from the hearing them for the first time you're also sort of hearing them in a, in a weird stilted way where you're getting 10 15 20 30 seconds whatever it might be at a time and then we stop and talk about it so you you're listening to it not in the way the track was intended to be listened to so you went back and listened to it so going back and listening to it end to end as a song rather than critically what were your thoughts doing that way yeah yeah you know i i, I feel like i uh i still basically have the same opinion uh i would say that my 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 big takeaway th this time through was just how much i didn't like that sax solo yeah and uh I, you know i i love I love horns and I love sax uh, very much, actually. Uh, and that was just not uh, that was just not a good a good job. And I am still I'm still kind of I'm still back with you know with the the drums on the original track. Now, especially after seeing Roger play it live, it's like, well, fuck guys, why don't you just mic him up and just let him do it, you know? Yeah. But but that's not the sound they were going for. But I, I would I would say just overall, I still I still I still enjoyed the track. Not yeah. my favorite yeah, yeah. Queen song in the world, but. But but it's I enjoyed it. So yeah, so we were unanimous. We both sort of upvoted and said it was one of the champions. Now again, for me, it was definitely one of those very sort of boundary cases. Had we had a third option, it would have been a third option for sure for me. Um, but certainly, I couldn't really say that I didn't like it. So that's where I landed with saying whether it was a champion or vice. The dust. It was like, well, I don't hear that song and. From memory, it's one of the ones on Hot Space that I kind of liked. 
which isn't the case for all the tracks in that space. So, so that's where I landed. But we did put this out to the people, as we always do, Randy. Because yeah. the people, the people, the, the crowd knows, right? The crowd's always going to tell you absolutely, one way or the other, whether you are right or wrong. Let the people be heard, Kevin. That's what I say. The people were heard, and it was close. So as I suspected with this one, it was pretty close. So it was 60-40, essentially. So 60% champion, 40% by the door. So let's dig into what some yeah. comments on those were. So so um, our friend New Mercury, uh, PJ, says, okay, so I was thinking about this before, and my usual thing of it is a top 50 Queen song, no. But is it one of the better ones from Mott Space? Yes. But I believe this is based on the whole Queen catalogue, so I'm kind of sorry, but so we voted it down which I think is, again, absolutely fine. I totally understand that point of view. And there was, if I was doing it that way, if I was sort of picking a midpoint and saying everything below bites the dust, I suspect this one would fall in it as well. So I completely, yeah. completely agree with that. Yep, me too. And I also mentioned too that these sort of, our take on it really is sort of in the moment. And that, certainly for me anyway, it depends on what mood I'm in, depends how many beers I've had, it depends on how generous I'm feeling. You know, it's going to change week to week. And I'm sure looking back when we do retrospectives, there'll be stuff where I think, ah, oh, fuck, really? I fucking avoid that or I downvoted that. And I'll, you know, maybe we'll have to do some, <laughs> we'll have to do some review episodes, re-review episodes around here. And, and I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe at some point we'll take the most uh, controversial, uh, you know, ups or, you know, champions yeah. who bites the dust and, and maybe revisit those. Lisa Malloy. It's my favorite song on the album, even more so than Under Pressure. Would have been stunning with real drums. So there again, I mean, that, that's I find that surprising because I mean, obviously, for me, Under Pressure we'll get to when we get to it. But Under Pressure is one of the not just one of the greatest Queen songs, but one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, stunning with real drums. I, I just I don't know what you gain from putting those electronic drums, but we won't be that to death. Paul Bradbury says I've gone for Champion, but it was close. The drum machine makes me cross. But the rest of the track is great. So again, there's a theme developing here, right? Yeah, yeah. Darren Halliwell says, Champion, always like the song. I have no real problem with the first side of the album. And again, that's the experimental side or a little bit more sort of on that sort of disco-y, dancey, funky um, yeah. end of it. Uh, Rob Hatton says, Champion, for me, it's a Queen song and it's one that I like, so I can't vote it to bite the dust, but I can totally understand this one not being to everyone's taste. So again, there we get the beauty of the subjectivity of music. So Pank, another one agreeing sort of, I think, here really with uh, with Darren. It's, it's great. It's on side one of Hot Space, which is perfection. Uh, and the extended live ending, I said this world, I said he's using me, is unbeatable. And then he says, I am right. So there's a bit of confidence there. A bit of confidence from Pank. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as you've told me numerous times that Hot Space was not one of their uh, best albums, uh, but Pank here seems to think it's uh, perfection side one of hot space and a lot of people love it yeah i mean it, it really is just it's just not one of my favorites and again it's one of those that sort of i think the public struggled with it because it was just so different to what they were expecting from a queen album that you know it took a little while for people to come around to it, i think to warm up to it so yeah yeah so Barry John, Willie 3, which I'm assuming is Williams. Uh, Alice's dad says, now this was a difficult choice as Hot Space is not my favourite album. Quite agree. Um, it would be easy to vote this to bite the dust, but if I look at the song on its own and not let the album drag it down, it's okay. Just about good enough to be a champion, but with big reservations. And that's kind of where I was too. I, I was kind of in that same, I think in that same bracket. Uh, yeah. Let's see what we're else. So Dieter says, fantastic episode. Thank you again. Uh, but you should have mentioned the live version from uh, Live at the Ball album. It gives an idea of how it could have sounded with the real instruments. The song is still kind of a racket, but it sounds brilliant. Um, and yeah, that's when I sort of went back. I'd forgotten about that performance, went back and listened to it and sent that to you. So thanks for the nudge on that one, Dita. Um, <laughs> we then get Leighton Brown, who is uh, a big Queen fan and, a, and a, a big Baldy legend, I believe, is his sort of official moniker these days. So he says, it's only a bloody record. Why are you getting so, why are you getting so excited by these things? <laughs> which is a little tongue-in-cheek so but i do appreciate that and then uh joe man must die who is one of the hosts on the uh in the laughter pods fantastic podcast that everyone should be listening to if you're not says i like hot space there's nothing on there i hate and then he got then he got into a little bit of a you know it's better than the miracle and most of kind of magic and way better than so we you get a little bit of you know that's when it starts getting into uh yeah yeah into uh the sort of the minutiae of the queen catalog uh cheap movie out turns out that uh, it turns out that music is subjective, Kevin. Sounds that way, eh? Huh, interesting. But 
And Brian Crosby says, one of the things I liked and liked most about Queen was how unpredictable and eclectic they were, varied and mostly brilliant. They were often at their worst, though, when trying to reflect the current trends in music, especially in the 80s. It's 90s gash. It's not, sorry, it's 90% gash. So gash, yeah, gash is uh, well, Scottish and sort of Northern English for awful, as well as a few other things. Well, yeah, I was going to say, that's, yeah. <laughs> in Canada, we have a whole different meaning for that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in UK too. Um, Stuart Charlesworth says, I'm glad you got a Hot Space track. You've been asking for one, which we have. Um, good episode. Thank you. Uh, Hot Space was one of the last albums I got, and I remember that. I remember that. What is this feeling very well? I love the album now. For its eclectic, makes some bits work better than others. And I think that is one of those things that, as we go back, I suspect that I'll start having those. Actually, yeah, this is different now that I'm listening to it through fifty-year-old ears or forty-nine-year-old ears than through, you know, yeah. teenage years. So, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Hugh Jenkins says, "I think there are a few really good songs on this album that suffer from the production and being lumped and being lumped with some dreadful songs." This track, Dance of Staying Power and Put Out the Fire, would sound way better with the works sound. So that's an interesting observation, and we will definitely start talking about that a little bit more, about how production changes with Queen really sort of make or break some of those songs, or, or certainly when you compare them to live versions, make them a lot weaker or stronger. So hmm. I think that's about it for social media, Randy. Well, that's uh, that's a fair bit of uh, media that was social. I'm, I'm very social. We, we do very genuinely... Um, appreciate the hell yes. out of anyone taking time out of their lives to comment on what we're doing, listen to the episodes, genuinely super appreciate that. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so we got a bit of hot space last time. Is there anything that you're thinking about for this week? Is there anything you'd like to any era, any type of song, anything? We're still freewheeling. What are you, what are you thinking, Randy? Okay, here. I'm going to say this. I want one that we're at the end of it all. I'm going to say it bites the dust. Ooh. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't wish ill on anyone ever, but in this particular instance here, I think I, I want you know I want to I want to cast a down vote. What about you, Kev? So you're kind of you're, you're kind of in that mood to sort of <laughs> be challenged in your appreciation of Queen, which I think is that's yeah. Again, this band is that this band does that all the time, right? Where you think, oh, this is great. This this whole side of this album is great, and then you get to track five, it's like, all oh, right, that's kind of an unusual decision. I'm not quite sure why you yeah. did that or why anyone thought that was a good idea to record, but. Exactly. You know, I'm kind of in the mood for something from the game. It's one of my favorite Queen albums. I fucking love the production on that album. I think it sounds phenomenal. Um, and it's it was that first sort of step away from their more traditional sound into something else. And it was the first album with synthesizers. So I think I'd like to hear something from the game. That'd be fine by me. Well, shall we spin it up and see what happens? I think uh, I think this is the uh, a good enough a good enough time. Good enough time. Okay, she's spinning up, she's spinning up, and now it's starting to slow down, and we are getting... Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, you know, we've had a bit of a history of getting absolute bangers this early in the show, and what do you know, we've got another fucking greatest hits. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, off news of the world we have, <laughs> we are the champions. <laughs> Fucking hell. I got I gotta be honest with you. I really just thought all the stuff would come a few months down the road. <laughs> but I mean, I guess I guess I guess we're getting them out of the way. I mean <laughs> you know, when Kev first talked to me about this, he's like, Oh, you know, you know, what do you what what albums do you know? And I kind of was telling you and and basically, aside from a few action to stay and uh, whatever the uh, couple Profit of the other ones song. back, you know, I know them all. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Well, fuck. Everyone fucking knows this song. Well, You'd have to I be know. On a, on a fucking desert island for the last fifty years to not know this song, right? So yeah. Well, this uh, yeah, this might this might be a short this might be a short <laughs> review. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll listen to it, say that's great, and then we'll end the episode and we'll let people get yeah. on with their lives. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> This is the point in the podcast where Randy and Kevin open various browser tabs and frantically Google various facts and miscellany in order to sound knowledgeable and well-researched. In the interest of time, this has been condensed into a short, but we think pithy, announcement. Goodbye. All right, so hey, we are the champions. That was written by Freddie Mercury, 
And of course, uh, he plays the piano and uh, does a whole bunch of uh, singing on that. So uh, what I'm gleaning, <laughs> what I'm gleaning here, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's a great summary of where the champions, Randy. Yeah, yeah. Hey. There's a whole bunch of singing on it. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of singing on that. So uh, anyhow, so I guess it was uh, it was written and it was inspired by his experience during the tour in the spring of '77. Uh, at each concert, spectators would stand up and they'd sing along to the chorus of Killer Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, so I guess the idea was they would write some songs uh, where they could do nice call and response, uh, you know, with the audience. So that is exactly where uh, uh, that song, We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions, sort of came from that experience. And Kevin, you were saying in 77, that what tour would they have been on? That would be Day of the Races, yeah. That was the Day of the Races tour. And I think it was... The summer tour, seventy-seven Jubilee tour, was called. But yeah, it was, it was the it was the they were touring the album day the races. Yeah, right, right. It's funny too, hey. Like you know, you've got Brian and Freddie both sort of recognise, and, and you know, Brian says in a place like Birmingham, they'd be so vociferous that we'd have to stop the show and let them sing to us. So both Freddie and I thought it would be an interesting experiment to write a song with audience participation, specifically mine. So it's kind of cool that that's the two takes that you get right. Where Brian's is very very hard rocking, like a big ballsy full on thing where Freddie's is almost sort of more of an, an introspective thing where he's looking at the nature of fame and all this kind of stuff, you know? So that's kind of a, a cool sort of thing to say that we're getting to the same stem, the same trunk of the same tree. And let's see which different branches come out from that. Very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm sure I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know them personally, but it's gotta be telling of their, uh, their personalities. I would say so. Although, it's, see, it's difficult because, you know, we, we get into some of that stuff where Freddie did write some really balls-out, hard-rocking melodies and and lyrics. And Brian also wrote some very gentle, very sort of, you know, heartfelt and, and introspective stuff as well. So, but I just like that idea that you've got two, you know, phenomenal songwriters who take something completely different away from that experience. And that's just... Just and, and to blend them together, to get them to match so well, to be two parts of one story like that. I mean, part of that's just chance and luck, right? But part of it's just I don't know because they, they work together all the time and they know each other so well that to, they're all they're on on the same page to some level all the time, right? I think you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they are. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, what so else what can we say? Think? What else? What else can we say about this then? Yeah. What else can we say about it? It because it's <laughs> what hasn't been said about it. Oh well, here I got something. Uh, number two on the UK singles chart, number four on Billboard in the US of A, number three in Canada, and top 10 in Ireland, the Netherlands, Norway, and uh, yeah, wherever fine, wherever fine uh, records are sold, hey, wherever fine rock and roll music was sold. Okay, well, oh. should, we, should we listen to a bit of this then, or what do, what do you think? Nah, nah, let's just go home. Oh, wait, I'm already home. Let's listen to it. Uh, always just such an argumentative fucking... I paid my dues Time after time I've done my sentence But committed no crime and by... I just want to say one quick thing that Always, when I listen to this now, one of the first things I always, obviously, it's a vocal intro, so no instrumentation, first line is Freddie, then the piano comes in, but John's bass playing on this is just fucking brilliant. He's on those real, up on that real, those really high octaves, it just sounds glorious. Yeah, 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 it's totally the right thing to do, too, like, like he's... Yeah, you wouldn't like a boom, boom, you wouldn't, those, they just wouldn't fit, right, it wouldn't, musically, it wouldn't work. Yeah, these guys are always really great at coming up with parts, right? So. Bad mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my shells and kicked in my face. But I can't prove. I need to go on, 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 on. Up to this point, and, and I'm almost, it's basically perfect. Like, how do you pick anything apart that you say, well, oh, I don't think the. Well, the backing yeah. vocals were very well mixed there, or oh, I don't think Roger was playing a very interesting part on the drums. It's just like, yeah. fuck me, like it's everything's exactly as it should be in this song. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know how you uh, dissect, uh, you know, a perfect rock anthem either. <laughs> well, if, if I'd like to, like, if you've listened to, or if you read through 
the lyrics to the opening, well, even any of the verses, but the opening verse, I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my share of sand kicked in my face, but I've come through. That's fucking poetry. That's prose poetry. You know, it's it's just, it's got a rhyming scheme in it, but it's beautiful. That's got It's got a message. It's very lyrical. It's concise. Again, it's just that sort of the, the perfection of the art of lyric writing. Yeah, it's gold, man. It's gold. Yeah, so that line, I've had my share of sand kicked in my face, is again, it's a very North American reference. It's, it's the, well, it was the old, the old ads, right? You give to put on weight and bulk up because you don't want to be the wimp on the beach who gets sand kicked yeah. in his face by the gun and he gets his girls stolen, all this kind of bullshit. But. So that, I didn't really have a reference point for that growing up because I grew up in Wigan. Nary a beach in fucking sight. Nary the sun in sight most of the time. So, you know. Um, but I kind of had that reference and I got it dual, a dual attack of that reference through this and then a song by 10CC, another one of my very favorite bands, um, off their first album called Sand in My Face, which has a similar theme. They're sort of, they're riffing on the, they're kind of t- taking the piss out of the Beach Boys a little bit on that album. And it's, it's very, very cool. I don't think if you ever listened to that album, you should listen to it. Um, so I got kind of this, this reference. It's like, I don't get what this means. And I think at some point in my sort of early tweens or teenage years, I, I came across someone talking about these these ads. You know, there's the x-ray specs and, the, and all these different bits and pieces. And he's like, oh, he's bringing in that reference. Okay, that's kind of cool, which, you know, an, an English person wouldn't typically do. But, of course, they toured the States a lot by then and they were a bit more worldly. So I, that, that's kind of cool. Not a lot of sandy beaches in Saskatchewan, but, uh, uh, yeah, I was exposed <laughs> to that reference. But, you know, I guess a week or two ago, I learned what a saloon was, and I mean, not a place you drink in. There we so, go. Hey, this podcast, we're learning things. You know what? This is the, That's the thing with this podcast. It's the beauty of this podcast, Randy. If you're not laughing, you're learning, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're quite the educator there, Mr. Brown. And you know what? Most people are not fucking <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. that way goes to falsetto there and i always like those those choices that lyrics or vocalists make right is when to go to falsetto falsetto when to push when to belt when to you know it just because it gives the song so much more emotional weight when you change the dynamics of how you deliver it yeah i i, I like the guitar riff in, in between the, you know the dun, 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 you know it's yeah kind of doing a little counter melody you know I and like it's it. that thing again where that's the the beauty of a band like queen where a lot of bands you could and it would be absolutely fine if the guitarist was just kind of playing the chords and not really doing anything in, in that interstitial moment but just brian's got a little thing that he can add in there that doesn't get in the way doesn't overpower the vocal or the melody or anything so yeah exactly bit of production there too on the vocal there yeah yeah they were uh they were all around the uh <laughs> they were all around the reverb unit there cranking it up at the end and yeah yeah it's great it's brilliant it's all brilliant but it's, so you know in terms of that in terms of production and that note to sustain that note to trail that off naturally would be you know Frank could probably fucking do it, but it would be more difficult. But to, to add that in, just to give that atmospheric to the song, again, that's a design decision, right? That's sort of something that probably, as a producer, we'll just sing it out as long as you want to, and we'll drop the fader on that and put this reverb in to bring that back out. I would imagine. Um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, I think I I think he's singing to the conclusion of the note to the best of his ability, and then it just envelopes into the reverb. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's not to say that you couldn't you couldn't pull a verb down and and you know if you had the the gain of the vocal down and pump up the verb if you had it on on an, on an auxiliary or whatever you totally could do that, uh, but I, in this particular case I, I think he's holding he's singing that note out as long as he can and it just it's just cycling into that reverb and bouncing around yeah yeah and cool. yes stylistic and yeah it's brilliant I love it one two the the other thing about it that I like is that we are the champions of the world. It's in sort of that major, 
and he hold, but he holds it then into the back into the minor. So yeah. again, you get that just that very clever dynamic shift, and it's it, it's all those little things that you know. Once I started kind of hanging out with you, and you fucking bore me to death with your craft, but you realize that there's a lot more that goes on after you know you build this song out and you write these chords and everything else. But those little things where you think, well, what about if we have that bridge between the chorus and the verse is simply that note sustained rather than a drum fill or some sort of guitar like it, that can that can be as simple as it needs to be right it's just that held note yeah and you know it works perfectly right i've taken my bows and my curtain calls you brought me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it i thank you all so that line, again, I mean, I just it, to me, it's just it sort of sums up this song almost, right? And especially the way he delivers it when he does it live, because he sort of always makes it really heartfelt and not obnoxious or obsequious. Anyway, so you brought me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. But apparently, from what I was reading yep. in that in that Queen All the Songs book, not everyone loved it. You know, well, Brian Brian sort of thought that it was it was a bit narcissistic, maybe. And saying he said um, he says in this book he says I remember saying you can't do this Fred you'll get killed <laughs> and he just said Freddie just said yes we can and it's that kind of I suppose when you're Freddie Mercury you can look that sort of confrontation in the eye and say well it can either break me or it can bend to my fucking will and when you're Freddie Mercury I think most of the time you're going to come out the right side of it yeah I mean he's still he's still humble he's still humble in his brag right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean there's been many many a rapper who have built an entire career talking about how much money they have and so for you know and how much how many women they get or whatever but yeah you know here in just one instance he's saying you know i you know i've got that but you know so thank you so much i really appreciate it so i don't know who can who can ever know who can ever know what brian's thinking <laughs> nobody can know only brian that's a that's actually quite an interesting comparison that you've made there with rap songs because even structurally, I mean, and my my appreciation of rap is not it's not great rapping. I'm not a rapist, you know, um, but it's kind of got that humble beginnings, rising to the top, talking about how good you. It's got that. It's the sort of a template there for what a lot of that type of rap would end up becoming, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and well, I sometimes I, wonder about those influences that Queen had outside their own genre, which obviously probably reading too much into that, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, really, it's. It's a it's a rags to riches thing, right? Mm -hmm. He's paid his dues, blah blah blah. Yeah. But it's been no bed of roses, no pleasure cruise. I consider it a challenge before the whole human race, and I ain't gonna lose. I love that line too because he kind of drags, you know, if, if he's talking about, you know, if Brian thinks he's a bit narcissistic, he's fucking kind of dragged the band into this as well now, right? He's implicated them because, and we mean to go on and on and on and on, and on you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and, he, and, and he says it's been no bed of roses and it's been no pleasure cruise, right? You know? Yeah. And, you know, is life ever just, you know, roses and pleasure cruise? Nah, fuck, it's hard work, man. the champions, my I was just gonna say, uh, how about that guitar tone? Hey, I mean, that's that's like that's quintessential signature Brian May, Ala Queen. Like that's that's the sound right there, man. You know, if you could if you could put that in a bottle and sell it, you'd have a lot of money. Because we're going to end up heading to sort of the, the outro of the song here. I, I find it interesting too that this is a gigantic harmony. You know, obviously this has been layered multiple times. There's lots of vocal tracks in there. Yeah. But they still let Freddie's voice be 
the main voice. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of Roger in there, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's still the main voice. I was just kind of thinking, you know, we all heard the song so many times, but you forget all those fun little pushes, you know, and all those little, I mean, it's, it's all simple. It's nothing, it's nothing crazy, but it just makes it all work so nicely. Right. It's just so effective. Yeah. Right. It's that thing of, it's like, you you know, you've always said to me, is it this simplicity writing simply is harder than it sounds sometimes because Simple can be boring unless you do it very well and you know when to use certain tricks and when to use certain little motifs in a song. That can be difficult to balance. But yeah. again, in this song, and it's something we've all heard a billion times, but again, just sitting and listening to it now, you think, it's really, really, really well written. Really well written and arranged, you know? Some would say the best. Oh, sorry. I thought you were signaling me. Oh, no, I was just air guitaring. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> so you can't see. Dear listener, you cannot see, but Randy was just jamming out there, and I, I thought he was giving me the signal to stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just I was just playing that lick along with Brian, and, you know. a big note at the end hey way 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 up the fretboard i love how they leave you hanging and that's yeah, yeah 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 that's that's the great you know it's the unfinished bit of business right it's like yeah you fuckers right that's great <laughs> love it well it's funny because you know when I, I played piano growing up and play keyboards and whatnot and i i've always sort of stupidly or not i don't know but tended to try or not to try to learn freddie's piano parts because they're just Again, he's. I think he's 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 underrated as a pianist. Everyone knows he's a fucking brilliant vocalist, a great musician all around, as his bandmates always said. But a really, really wonderful piano player, really top top notch in terms of sort of what he could play and and the, the sort of the inventive things he came out with. Because again, it's not a song that really sounds that much like a lot of stuff that was going around at the time. The pacing yeah. of it and the tempo of it and the you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm well, talking about, Randy. Well, there again, I'm sure uh, what Freddie brings to his vocal delivery, he brings to his piano playing. So it makes sense that you would like his piano playing because I guess so. Uh, that's the way it goes. Well, we haven't talked about that vocal delivery. I mean, my God, again, what another just sensational vocal delivery. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, I mean, let's face it. There would be, well, I mean, there might be a queen without Freddie. Let's just say that, you know, we can't we can't say that the three uh, uh, other members are not amazingly talented. I've said it already a, a bunch of times that yeah, uh, in any other band, Roger Taylor would be the lead singer. Uh, but I will say this: without without Freddie, they would not be this world famous and literally, literally world famous band. Maybe they just would have been a, you know, would have made a big splash in Europe or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But but with Freddie's vocal and and let's not forget let's not forget because sometimes we will watch the videos or we'll watch videos with these let's not forget how magnetic he was as oh, a, God, as a yeah. performer and how charming he was in interviews and I don't know I don't know what, what more do you say or I've thought about that often the my appreciation of an artist's music is definitely colored by whether or not I like them. And there's plenty of artists who I'm indifferent about, who I still like, love their music. There are artists who I don't like them necessarily, but I can still kind of ignore that. And But when you really like, when you are drawn to a person in some way, or their personality, it definitely changes the way you appreciate the music, I think, or it can do, certainly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, I was just thinking, because uh, I love, I really like Van Morrison. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, as a human, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about Van Morrison. <laughs> Uh, I used to really, really like, uh, especially as a young kid, I used to really love uh, uh, Ted Nugent. <laughs> I, I really thought he was the bomb, you know, as a young, young man. And now I feel rather differently about Ted Nugent. 
So I'm just gonna I've just brought up the isolated vocal here, Randy. Just want just to listen to that first verse because, like I said, it, in terms of the lyrical content of it, it to me, it's very it, it stands alone apart from it's, it. You could read this as a piece of poetry or some sort of you know bit of prose that I think stands up aside from anything else. So let's just listen to the first verse, just Freddie's vocal. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. And bad mistakes, I've made a few. I've had my share of sand kicked in my face, but I've come through. It's even better when it's isolated. <laughs> well, yeah, and when he gets up and he sings through, you know, just the angst in his vocal, hey? So, yes, yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Okay, before we get into our sort of final wrap-up thoughts, then you know, we, we talked about this a bit last week. We're going to vote first, and then we're going to talk about well, how we feel about the song, what it means to us, maybe all those kind of things. So, so we can maintain an element of suspense, Randy, even though I think with this song it's completely fucking futile pointless waste of time I'm trying to do that yeah. because yeah. i'm pretty sure i know where we're both gonna go but let's do it anyway so randy for you is and this is the first of two tracks that we have that we actually have music for in the voting system is we are the champions one of the champions or is it overplayed is it trite and is brian may right that it's narcissistic should it bite the dust Well, Kevin, it just seems a bit silly, really, but uh, i got to ask you, does this one bite the dust, or is this one a champion? We are the champions, my friends. I had my suspicions you'd say that. I really did. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'm just going to have to just go right out and say it. With good reason. It's one of those songs that... Again, we talked about this. <laughs> Can't believe we've done We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions in the first eight. Ep that's just ridiculous. I wouldn't have ever predicted it. No, it's crazy. But again, I'll say that I'll make the same basic comment about this one is that it's bigger than just being a song now because it's part of the cultural firmament. It's sung every time any fucking team wins a championship. It's sung for any, any number of reasons, right? In, in this sort of big, bold, expressive outpouring of, you know, achievement. And so when you've written something like that that transcends a rock and roll genre or something, I think, of course, it's going to live on forever. Of course, it's going to be one of those songs that's going to be been covered by a billion people, you know, some better than others, let's say. Um, but but to me, it's, it's, it's always been there. I can't remember a time when I didn't know this song because News of the World is from 77, and I would have been four then. And so growing up, I've just, I've always known this song. Yeah, just, just to further to what you're saying, you know, I would say that my 19-year-old son would know the song. And I would say that my 74, 5, 6-year-old, however old she is now, mother would know the song. And I would say that you could probably pull some rando off the street, throw him into your van, with the hood on, of course. I'm not sure we're allowed to do that, Randy. <laughs> oh, no. Look, okay, so just for our listeners, we're not advocating kidnapping here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, everybody knows the song, and and, and with with good reason. I mean, it's just, it, it almost it almost defines classic rock in, in a way as, as yeah. to what we know it now. Uh, I mean, can you think, and, and, and actually, you know what, and further to that, an anthem, an anthem, a sports anthem, uh, I work a lot of, uh, I work a lot of sports events as a, as an audio guy. And this is played, has been played more than once. And, you know, obviously at the end, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, that's why it's, it's just, it's ubiquitous, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like a belly button, Kev. But it's, it's, it's like the sun or the moon or like I said, or the, or the, the, the ocean, it's just always been there. And, and I think sometimes with those types of songs, you can sort of lose sight of the fact that, okay, you know, there's lots of those songs that have been around forever, but 
they're not all great, or they're no. not all as great as this song because this the, the musicality in this song, the piano part's fantastic. Again, John Deacon's intro on that bass is beautiful. Yeah, the rhythm section's very understated, right in the pocket, and just kind of sits there, you know, providing a bit of meat onto the, onto the bones of the song. Freddie's vocals fantastic, and then you've got this twin attack of Freddie's vocal delivery and Brian May's putting those little pieces on the, those little licks, and it's just it's a glorious, it's so uplifting, you know. Uh, you know, Brian for me was uh, as a, as a young a young guitar player was uh, 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 a you know, just hearing him play those those leads and those licks, it's like, oh man, how does he do that? You know? Yeah. Uh and you know, it was it was songs like these that that turned me on to all this stuff. So yeah, yeah man. It's, it's just a beauty. I mean, it, it is. It's just again it, another song that if it comes on, I'm gonna sit and listen to it. It's three minutes. Again, that's another thing about it. It's it's very tight, it's very yeah. lean, there's no Fat yeah. on it, like it's just it gets in, gets out, does what it needs to do, and leaves you thinking, "Yeah, that's a great song." Yeah, it, it doesn't ever make you think. You go back and go, you know, ah, uh, uh, they probably didn't need that double chorus on the way out, or they didn't <laughs> probably need the bridge could have been half that length or whatever. Which is what I often do when I'm listening to songs, like especially if, if I feel like you know they could be better. But you know, in like in this case, I think as I said earlier on. How do you how do you critique classic rock perfection? I, I don't really know yeah. how you do it. I mean, all I can do is just agree and think it's and just say that it's awesome. Uh, and, and you know, you know, we might not we might not be doing this podcast without this song. Okay, so we're kind of I think we're I think, yeah we're gonna, I think we're about done, mate. I think we've kind of I've certainly shot my load as it were talking about we are the champions. Is there anything anything else? you would like to say about this momentously brilliant song i'm still reeling from that last comment there but yes <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah i mean it's 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 a banger i mean it's just really good it's it's i i'll have to quit saying it at some point but it, this is one of those songs there again i think <laughs> if if you don't like the song you probably just don't like queen so you wouldn't be listening to this so you would yeah. never, you would never hear my opinion as to how awesome I think it is. So. Well, okay. So let's, you know, what? something's just occurred to me. What we should start doing, yeah, is we should try to predict what the poll's going to say. We should each take a guess, yeah, about what we think the percentage is on the poll. So I'll let this, you go. This first. one's going to be, yeah, okay. This one's going to be eighty percent in favor of of a champion. Well, I don't know because I think there's always the contrarian. <laughs> so, but I will also tell tell you this is that uh i have texted my 19 year old son and i sent him a link to the song and i said have you ever heard this and uh and i should should also add that my son's primary genre of music style that he likes is video game music <laughs> so he's not he's not a music nerd digging into the archives of classic rock but i would almost guarantee you he knows the song and i think that's a pretty good uh uh, test to see exactly how 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 deep the veins of this song goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you said eighty. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ninety two because I just I like it's like you say I think there'll be a couple of people who just being dicks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, come on, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was, another thing I wanted to throw at you quickly, Randy. Something came up on Twitter about um b-sides and outtakes mm. and those kinds of things that the band did now and what i thought what might be fun is every 15 20 episodes or some kind of arbitrary number that i, I kind of land on or whatever maybe what we do is we'll i'll set up a separate wheel a second wheel with all those tracks on there and we can sure. give that a spin then we can talk about one of those and that'd be kind of neat too so yeah that'd be fun yeah okay. i would enjoy that yeah so that was pj was kind of chatting with me a little bit on twitter about that and um was kind of asking maybe we'd do it with the A side if it was a B side to a single maybe we could talk about it there but I do think that even those those B sides and some of those other tracks are there's enough in them that we could definitely devote a whole episode to them and so I think we'll do it that way so I'll I'll come up with sort of a schedule for that and we'll figure out when and how we want to do that but I think a second wheel packed with all the offcuts and the different versions and all those kind of things and we'll do it that way I think it's a fucking hell of an idea Kev deadly we don't the keep last... okay, we don't keep you around for your silly accent. <laughs> Take off, eh? Fucking hoser. 
<laughs> well, that's interesting because we do have uh, some, a few, it looks like uh, uh, UK listeners. And so I'm the one with the silly accent. Exactly. And it really, not me. <laughs> yeah. And it is really silly. I completely understand the fact that I'm a hoser and uh, well, I'm slightly embarrassed, justifiably so. Okay. And one last thing, Randy, that I'm going to tell people that we sort of have chat, chatted about a little bit. Um, yep. And it's kind of fun because we record these on a Monday and they go out on a Thursday. So I'm going to say this now, uh, fully in the knowledge that this might not actually happen, but I'm going to put it in the episode anyway, because fuck it. Um, or I might just edit it afterwards. But um, episode 10 of Seaside Pod Review, we are going to have a special guest with us. So there'll be three of us talking about a Queen song. And I don't necessarily want to drag you into this fucking grand larceny. I was going to say that we stole the format for this show. I stole the format for this show from my friend uh, Corey Morissette and his co-host Mark Kamire on and the podcast Will Rock, which is a Van Halen podcast. Brilliant, brilliant podcast. If you've never listened to it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's great fun. Um, but I want to get Corey on because he is a big Queen fan as well. He's also a Sask boy. Um, he's down in Weber and Saskatchewan, so I think you know time zones are easy to manage, so he's a good first guest to have. So in episode 10, we'll have Corey on, and we'll get him to talk about uh, whatever song we spin. How does that sound? Well, it sounds pretty good to me, Kevin. And uh, like uh, we have uh, said every episode so far, uh, we thank him at the very end, and this is their format, the spinning of the wheel. And so thanks, guys. Okay, so this episode is our last episode before Christmas. So from... Two avowed staunch atheists, boring on anti-theists. A very merry Christmas to all of you out there, and a very happy New Year. Although we will see you before the New Year, but um, you know what? Just go out there, enjoy the holidays, be kind to each other. Just you know, be nice. All hail is noodly appendage. <laughs> all hail is noodly appendage. <laughs> <laughs> From which we have been touched. <laughs> and. Uh, and yeah, we'll give the last word, Randy, as we always do. Peace and love. Peace, peace and love. Peace and love, but no more autographs. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll leave the last word to Freddie Mercury, Randy, and we will sign off. Good night. Hey, thanks for listening. But I know it's tired, but what you got to do is you got to check out our social media and let us know what you think about Queen. You can find us on Facebook at, at Seaside Pod Review and on Twitter at Queen Seaside. Don't forget to go and check out our pals Corey and Mark over at And The Podcast Will Rock. We owe our format and inspiration for this podcast entirely to them. We'll be back with you next week to spin up another song from this wonderfully diverse catalog. Stay tuned. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. Seaside Pod Review. A kiss. I'm not giving you a kiss. I'm just a musical prostitute, my dear.